welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Welcome, everyone, to the Tao of Understanding Podcast. I'm Buddy C. Today, I have Tina and Marla and Zach and Craig. How's everyone today? Very well. What did you guys think of? Well, first of all, any feedback on Sensei's visit from last week? Did everyone enjoy mm-hmm. any, any comments? Any? Tina and myself had to have a meeting after the meeting, and we were online for another 50 minutes talking about it because we were just blown away with everything they had to say. It was Which just part? fun. It was phenomenal. Which part? Oh, never mind. Okay, so, so, so the, the, part that, the part that really got to me was I'm always going on about how I want to be free of desires, how I want to be free of material things. And then, and then he's saying, yeah, but what we do now is we're desiring to be free of desire, so we're still desiring, so we're still stuck in that cycle of desire. And I think myself, you know, I've, I've been looking at desiring completely wrong. I've been looking at the negative connotations of desiring mm-hmm. from, the, from the aspect of physically taking rather than you know, balancing the wants and needs. So I, I, took a, I took a real good interest in that and I've, I've listened to it again and the guy's absolutely spot on. We have to have desire. Our body has desires, like food. Hmm. That, those kinds of desires. Yeah. We just again, don't have the desire for Mercedes 320 or whatever. You know? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about because it's, it's a case of, you know, is it a want or is it a need? Is it something that I specifically need in my life? Or is yeah. it just something I really want for vanity's sake? Or the sake yeah. of just of, of stoking my ego, stoking myself. So it's but I I find that really interesting. That's gonna tie into our second story today, Craig, I think. Uh Tina, how about you? What did you anything with you from let me unmute you, dear. Oh no, you gotta unmute, sorry. Thanks. No, I um I just so appreciated his perspective from where from where he is on his journey because it's such a different place from where I am that it was it's just it was refreshing to hear him talk from a place of of maybe uh, peace and he didn't seem as like clouded and have all these other influences. He just seemed very focused in what he was talking about. And like Craig and I said, with, with the desire of how we feel, we were talking about it, just how it, it comes with such a bad, like desiring is, and we, Craig and I were talking about that word, I think in the, in our language, in, our, in the English language is just the same as um, a need or intuition and how those words have more of a positive feel to it. And it just seems almost like a survival mechanism. If you look at it in one way and desire is really just human nature and a natural thing. Um, But like with anything, it's the motivation behind it. Yeah. I I was was just going to see the intention behind it. 
you know, am, am I looking for the instant gratification as well? Because if that's the case, it's usually my ego that's looking for that. Whereas if it's something I'm willing to work for and something I'm willing to wait for, I tend to get more meaning from it. I get more satisfaction that way because I know that I've, I know that I've earned it. Not so much the fact that I deserve it, but I know that I've, I've earned, I've earned these feelings of, of um, gratification. Let's think about that while we read these two stories because that this is another example of our discussion before we do our reading is really part of what we're, we'll be discussing. It's like backwards. They're one of those things you can't plan kind of things. You'll see what I'm talking about. Okay. The man with one foot and the marsh pheasant. Who wants to read for me or would y'all like for me to read these? Why don't you read? But I just would like to start by saying this was so confusing. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand a word of it. <laughs> Go ahead. Kung Wayne Sane saw a maimed official whose left foot had been cut off. A penalty in the political game. What kind of man, he cried, is this one-footed oddity? How did he get that way? Shall we say man did this or heaven? Heaven, he said. This comes from heaven, not from man. When heaven gave this man life, it willed he should stand out from others and send him into politics to get himself distinguished. See, one foot, this man is different. Second story, the little marsh pheasant must hop ten times to get a bite of grain. She must run a hundred steps before she takes a sip of water. Yet, she does not ask to be kept in a hen run. So this pheasant can talk, okay. She does not ask to be kept in a hen run, though she might have all she desired set before her. Though she might have all she desired set before her, she would rather run and seek her own little living uncaged thoughts what <laughs> well i know of another story and i could not find it i didn't look super hard but i had read a story about a one-footed politician before and the, the way i read the story he was not a politician in china even for thousands of years They've had a lot of government workers that did different things and had jobs and tasks. And the way I remember the story, this person was not a politician like we think of, like a congressman or senator or president or something. Uh, this was a worker, like a toll booth worker. Okay. And there was a story that because this person was designated to be a worker and they did not want him doing anything else or having higher aspirations, they would cut off one foot so that he couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Okay. So that was, I think it's the same story just said differently. And I heard a little bit different where um, he, he um, cut off his foot or had his foot cut off so he wouldn't have to go into the military 
so he could oh. become a politician. Huh. Okay. All so, right. So like that somewhere, but still. all of that works into the same idea, though. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just a different, same story, different one. Yeah. True. And my any any comments? My idea on this. His first question, if we go back to the way it's written here, is this, did this come from heaven or from man? In other words, did he have an accident and cut his foot off, or did someone cut his foot off, or was he born this way? And uh, it reminded me, Zach, of the story that we talk about from them asking Jesus why the uh, guy was born blind. Yeah, I thought about that. I wasn't sure how it related, but it reminded me of that story. I'm thinking of purpose is what I'm thinking, you know. And Jesus said that uh, you're asking the wrong question. Uh, did he, You know, the question was, did this man sin or did his parents sin? The reason this man's born blind. And Jesus said, he didn't answer the question. He said, you're asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the question you should be asking is, how can God be glorified in this? So what purpose can be found in this? So instead of looking to point fingers and blame, uh, you know, you more or less look within and find out what, what purpose that is instead, instead of looking to, uh, you know, to act in fear and blame someone, you know, give excuses for why things are the way they are, you know, go ahead and do something with it. Um, I found a little blog on this, on the Marsh Peasant. If I could, it's just sure, please. Go ahead. Go it's ahead. Just a little paragraph. At this time in history, all healthy men had to enter the military. The reason he said that his, his only having one foot comes from heaven instead of from man is that he embraced this opportunity to get into politics. In military service, food and water are prepared, but he would not have been free. Although he lost one leg and he had to get food and water for himself, he became free. He became free by losing his left foot. The little marsh peasant must hop ten times to get a bite of grain in the wild, but the little marsh peasant would have never felt sad because she loves to be free. From this article, we can see the meaning of freedom. Huh. Okay. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, am I... Not the only one. Am I the only one not seeing it? Freedom in that? He, he purposely lost one leg so he could be free? Well, and From, the way I saw it, well, I, I also felt like maybe there was other things I needed to look up, you know, when we consider the time and place it was written and what the things could mean. Um, I, when I saw Buddy chime in earlier and be like what <laughs> like, I didn't get much out of it I was like oh I better look at look this up and I saw I read the same blog you did there wasn't much on it in terms of interpretation or anything um, but you know the more that you read it and and I think about it you know it, it kind of goes hand in hand <laughs> with the you know the the little pheasant, the little marsh pheasant, not asking to be kept in a hen run 
which would be easier because everything would be within reach and she would not have to go a hundred steps for water. She would have to go four steps because it would be fed to her. Um, You know, when they talk about, so to me, in comparison to the man losing his foot, when Buddy said, was this done by man or by heaven? I read it as, well, it was possibly done by man, which is derived from heaven, meaning it was meant to be, you know, everything happens for a reason. His foot was cut off, which was heaven derived so that he would have this handicap. And, you know, if you're missing a foot, you can't hop a hundred yards for water. It has to be brought to you. So missing your foot is the same as being in a cage because you rely on others to help you is where I didn't see that. Out. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that kind of makes ah, sense. I was thinking of the desire. You guys talking about the desire last week that she might have uh, all that she desired and that desire is being imposed on her. That's really not what she desired. She desired to be free, not to be fed. They just thought she desired this, but that really wasn't what she desired. She desired the getting to the food, not the food. Getting to the water, not the water. Her desire was totally different. Hmm. How about this? This is just for today, for today. Not for nothing from empty on the inside. When I was two weeks sober, a man's nine-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And three days later, he was at a meeting saying he had to believe it wasn't for nothing. That maybe one alcoholic would get sober because of it. As I left that day, I found myself wondering what would have happened if that had been my kids or me. What would they remember about me? A feeling came over me. I know now it was gratitude. And I realized that I could call my children right then and tell them I loved them, that I could show up when I said I would, that my word could be worth something to them. That even though I might always just be mom who comes over on the weekends, I could be a good weekend mom. I had a chance to move forward with them, forging a relationship built on a foundation of God and Alcoholics Anonymous, rather than always trying to make up for the past. One year later, I was able to share with that man that maybe it hadn't been for nothing because my life changed that day. So I read that this morning after reading our story, you know, and I said, hmm, maybe some things that we can't see purpose in does have purpose. Maybe the unacceptable can be used. Yeah, and that's and that's what I meant about at the beginning when they said it was, is it man or heaven? Um, I mean, we could really say it was man, but. Was it's really man? It was man, but it was all. It was for a reason, you know. Yeah. Everything we go through for a reason. Yes, yes, you, yes. You're right. And you're right. It's not going to be lost and for naught that this tragedy happens. Um, we were talking about this morning in the in the meeting in a, a meeting, the down meeting. We were talking about um, when I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, 
my mother-in-law was diagnosed with cancer and that is what made me go get my first mammogram and otherwise I would not have because I was 40 and it was mm, my grandma was passing away had passed away that week I just and I said I, I if something inside me said this is crazy I'm going I'm going to get this mammogram stage three cancer I mean I would not have went mm. I would not have went and she had stage four um, ended up getting in a clinical trial and I mean, they were, they gave her six months to, I mean, they, you know, no one likes to say, but it wasn't, the prognosis was not good. She's doing wonderful here three, four years later, as am I. And you have to look at the, you know, the things that she went through and that I've went through and that we're both still here, you know, is that, is that bigger than what? Because they told me I had a very fast-growing cancer and no symptoms, nothing, just went because she had been diagnosed. And I said, I got to stop messing around and get in there and just do it. I don't know why. It was something inside of me. And I would have – and in my mind, I'm like – I kept saying they. Like, there's a committee that controls all this. I'm like, my poor husband is the nicest guy ever. I'm like, they would not have his mom and his wife be diagnosed with cancer in the same month. They wouldn't do that. So I was for sure I wasn't going to get, you know, it was going to be fine. And then when they said, oh, you got to come back, you got to come back, it's bad. And I'm like, they did it. <laughs> they did do that. Look at Those this. Those they did it. They, they have no heart. <laughs> Damn it. The universe is playing with you. What they're and thinking this is supposed there. to be a force of love. That doesn't sound like love to me. That's not the love I was taught, you know little sheep running around and everything wonderful and you know all that that's not the love i was taught that's what they're supposed to do huh i'd like to think that there's a purpose for everything that um i'd like to think that but um i'm often so disappointed that there's no purpose whatsoever it's just stuff that shit that happens but when somebody needlessly dies i mean you got to make sense of it there's got to be a way to make sense of it and maybe by um, finding something good to come out of it, helping somebody else, or you know, finding a new way to live—that's that's that's the purpose. That's your higher purpose. I sometimes can't believe I'm still alive. But in most things, though, even bad things, don't we? I mean, I can't think of many bad things that I can't see a purpose having back. I know there's some, but most things, and who's to say just because I can't see that it's not there, it's not like I know what they are doing, you know, can, they don't come to me for approval, you know, before they do things, <laughs> to use Tina's terminology, you know. Uh, how about this? This is the Tao Te Ching, the uh, 13th chapter. Success is as dangerous as failure. We just did this this morning. Oh, really? Indeed. I was looking at this. Hope is as hollow as fear. <laughs> I, I look at this for just because of the hope is being hollow. That hope's as much of an illusion as fear is. But hope is such a positive 
it has such a positive effect, whereas fear has such a negative effect. So what, what's But the results is there something in the lack of acceptance and the lack of trying to change things was what I was going for, was that it's, it's dangerous when we can't accept life on life's terms or life the way it is in this moment. That's what I was thinking about. That's what causes our suffering. Right. Exactly. I mean, if this guy, this one-legged politician, would constantly be thinking about how he wished he had his foot, how he would love to do something different, how he's unhappy with his life, you know, all, you know, you can think half full or half empty all the time, and neither's right or neither's wrong. So, am I going to have a victim mentality or a victim mentality? Well, in this case, I mean, the guy was a victim. He got his foot cut off. This it was, was a, uh, who's a victim, Jack? Well, yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, what I mean, all of these things are. Like everything is the opposite of itself and nothing means anything. And it's all very, I mean, who knows yeah. what we're saying. But, but it would start <laughs> out like that, right? But did it end up really that he, well, it's like alcoholism for me. It was a gift. I would never have learned how to surrender if I had not had anything as insidious as alcohol to surrender to. I never would have learned how to do that. So I can look at alcohol as being my greatest gift I ever received. Yeah, I agree. And are you a victim or are you chosen? You know, is this a gift or a burden? Which is it? Both are hollow. Fear, hope, both are hollow. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer. Probably both. I guess I, I was thinking about... Um, you know, like comparing it to the story about Jesus we were talking about earlier, you know, where he's the, the Pharisees or whoever ask it, ask him about the blind guy, you know, like, what did this guy do? He, he, but that, that he was born blind, but the blind guy was born that way. Nobody, you know, nobody poked his eyes out. And so this guy had his foot cut off by a person. And so the, then the question is, I just think it's funny really, or ridiculous funny. I don't probably my sense of humor is I, I'll talk to my therapist about it later, but um, there, a person cuts his foot off and then they're like, who did this? Was it heaven or was it man? You know, after it was clearly a man that cut his foot off. And so the analysis then is, well, it was heaven. Heaven, uh, heaven wanted him to stand out, so he would be, so he would be different. And uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it means if, it, other than just like, you make your own meaning. You know what I mean? If you show up without a foot, and that, and that can motivate you to be better somehow or do, do something different, then 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 you can make that choice and do that, I guess. All right. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just I was thinking maybe the decisions we make that we think are wrong decisions may end up being great decisions for us. And we just don't know 
we, we just don't know in the middle of the decision. It may be something we look at that's horrible and we say this is wrong and we screwed everything up. When in reality, that decision was way beyond us. We were just doing our part. We were still playing our part, even cutting our foot off. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, how else can you see it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't start seeing things that way, I mean, Tina, go ahead. Um, I was going to say pain is all the t- pain is the touchstone of all spiritual growth. If you have an easy, easy path, what are you learning besides how to coast? Yeah. Is how I view it in my alcoholism and anything that can. And yeah, that is a learned way of thinking. You know, it's a perspective. It's definitely a perspective. It's not the absolute truth. It's my truth, but it doesn't mean it's the person next to me truth. So it is really perspective and subjective to however you want to look at it. It reminds me of a, a saying from General Choi, who, who invented Taekwondo. He says that pain is the greatest instructor, but nobody wants to go to his classes. Everybody I have a quote from one of Craig's favorites. I'm sorry. Yeah, is it one, one of my favorites? It's not Annie Grace, is it? No, it's Russell Brand. <laughs> the joy I feel is the temporary forgetting of the pain of feeling that I am not connected. Who did he steal that from? Man, he's he's the guy has some throw some wisdom in his book. I'm telling you, I just listened to it again. It's unbelievable. I thought, yeah, that's it because he numbs himself in, in drugs and alcohol. You would numb yourself enough that you would forget this pain you feel because you 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 don't feel your connectivity. Just makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. You guys are trying to wind me up, aren't you? Wind you, you up. You guys are at it. You just yeah. had a meeting. You just had a meeting before this meeting. And says, do you know what? We'll wind Craig up. Let's talk about Russell. Brown. We had a meeting about you, Craig, just so we yeah. could plan to get you. That was it. Yeah. I didn't know you didn't like about him. No, he doesn't you care for him. I didn't know you didn't like him. But but, but isn't it true how we? Uh, what we think, I don't know how many times throughout the day even, I think things are one way and there's something different. And after things are over, I see that I see that my thinking is skewed and not correct about things. That, that happens all the time. That's why you can't believe your own thoughts at all. And I, I, that is something I lately have been continuously telling myself. I don't believe anything I think anymore. Is it, good, is it good or bad that the marsh pheasant must hop 10 times or that she must run 100 steps? At first, we think that's bad, but that's exactly what she wants to do. She's free. She's not tied up in the hen house. She would rather run and seek her own little living uncaged. You've talked about the freedom, Marla. What, that was... Uh, so the guy was free by cutting his foot off? Yeah, because so, he didn't have to serve in the military. Yeah, and she's free by having to work harder to get her food and drink, right? So she's not t- uh, locked in the hen house, I guess. Yeah. Is her, her freedom. She's a free-range hen. Mm. <laughs> that was reminding me of that uh, New Testament quote about 
that we destroy our freedom by doing whatever we want to do. Oh, so true. And I should then, read the New you know, Testament. We, we, uh, our freedom grows by serving one another in love. So it's really freedom from us. It's not freedom to be us. It's freedom from having to do what we want to do. That's the freedom. Uh-huh. So uh, is it, this, this reminded me of that, too. You know, we, what is freedom? What is, you know, the way we look at things is not always, is not the only way to look at things, you know? So can I take a step back real quick and just sure. clarify for myself? Um, so this is supposed to be two separate stories, right? And then they relate to each other somehow. That's, that's right. That's they didn't just run out of room and have to put them on the same page. Right. They're, they're, they're two stories, but they are related to each other. Got it. They're to be, I think they're to be thought of together instead of separate. I was just making sure that yeah, the, that was the case. Yeah. That, this is how they were uh, constructed. I think Zach, that's, that's how they're presented in his book anyways. So the one footed guy and the pheasant. Yes. Got it. Hmm. I was looking to see if I had any other notes. That's all the notes I have, I think. So, so the one-footed guy is free by not being able to walk around, and the pheasant is free by having to walk around a lot more. It, it's two of the opposites that is are that close. The, the, the middle. They're showing the balance. Yeah, you know, it's like the yin and yang kind of thing, you know. Freedom or freedom, you know, water or water, you know, the whole, that whole deal, you know. I think you could also say, and that's a great way to put it, Zach, that's why I was trying to come up with the words to say, so that equals that. And so they're both, they both symbolize freedom to specifically to them. So what is freedom to you? Context. Freedom to me is you know, could become something completely different. Um, you know, I'm a housewife stuck in this house taking care of these kids, but that's my freedom versus when I worked for Chrysler, making a lot of money, could do whatever I wanted, but was tied to that job and a slave to that company. You know, some people might look at that as freedom, and this as a prison. And for me, it's the opposite. So, so the real question behind that is, in whatever you're doing, can you have freedom from self in that? Can you find peace and joy? Can you find love? Can you find those things that are sustaining within whatever your construct is? Right? Mm-hmm. So can you be find happiness, peace, and joy in being the housewife taking care of the kids or what, whatever your, the case is? It, you know, for me, I, I think I brought, I don't know, I brought this up last week. I guess the Chrysler job has been on my mind a lot lately because there was a time when I thought it sucked my soul out of my body and it was the worst thing ever. Now, all these years later, 
I mean, what I started when I was 18, I would have retired. I would have been retired in three more years had I stuck with it, retired. Um, but now I'm thinking, it, is that the right way where, you know, you're in and out, but the job was, was monotonous because I was on the line. I wasn't in management. And is that true freedom where my mind isn't being pulled and taxed? So it depends on where you are in life, what you consider to be freedom and happiness, because it has changed for me. And, um, but yeah, and again, it's perspective. And, but yeah, so whenever you said, can you find joy, peace and happiness in whatever situation you're in? Sometimes I don't know if you have that choice. Because, you know, I mean, you just feel what you feel. And at that time, it was like, I can't even play a mind trick on myself to make myself like this job without the enlightenment and a, and a shift in perspective because it was what it was. And there was no way getting around it. And I tried. Now I probably could because I have a different perspective. But isn't that the key, though, is not is from looking from within out at whatever your situation is and not imposing on others what you feel would make them happy. You know, that's the other part of this is because from the outside, you know, from the outside on the pheasant, it looks like the pheasant would be happier within the pen. That's the implication, but that's not what she desired even though it says that, you know, she might have all she desired set before her, but that really wasn't what she wanted. She would rather. So, yeah. And what do you sacrifice like for freedom? Getting, oops, I'm sorry. No, sorry, go ahead. Is it like getting what you want means freedom? <laughs> yeah, in some, in some ways, I suppose. Could be, yeah, but, and, and it's an inside job, you know, it's up to you. It's not yeah. something that be imposed upon you. So, I mean, as long as you feel free when you get that that thing you know some people get that thing and it makes them more of a slave to whatever and they don't realize that's not their freedom i kind of remind you of king midas doesn't it he, every, every, he wanted everything to touch every, everything he touched turns to gold and he found it was he was trapped by it because he couldn't eat he couldn't he turned all his loved ones to, to gold oh <laughs> didn't suit him yeah, I was thinking purpose imposed upon you versus purpose from within. That's what I was thinking in that. That, and we're the only ones that know whether what we're doing is making us happy or not, you know, or whether that's fulfilling us or not. Not someone from the outside can't can't do that for us. I wish there was a magic wand. Poof! You're going to be happy from now on. And free. Uh, <laughs> free from addiction oh, hold on hold on Tina I got it so and I've been thinking about that lately too um Marla about being happy all the time and is that really like what I want because it's like I learned so much and have a, a more of appreciation for being happy when I have my solemn down depressed you know, you have to have that contrast to appreciate. And if you're happy all the time, I think what we were talking about this morning, you know, how do you appreciate things if you don't lose it? How do you appreciate something without losing it? It's just like if you have it all the time, 
Right. You know, like I like going out and working in the yard and I wanted my sons to go outside and get hot and sweaty and, and bring them inside and be like, isn't this so much nicer being in the air with a cold popsicle? You appreciate it so much more than if you're just already in the AC all day and eat a popsicle. And, you know, you got to have that contrast to appreciate, I think. I agree. I think I should change maybe my verbiage instead, instead of saying I'd like to be happy, I'd like to be maybe content. That, that seems um, sometimes attainable, <laughs> sometimes, to be content. Yeah, I realize happiness is fleeting, and so, like you get little bits and pieces of it here and there. And it's great. I was thinking about what you said, Tina, about, and Marla talking about happiness and all this yin and yang and how we have to find this balance between emotions and this balance. It's like the place of peace is just in between the out and the in breath, just in the middle there. And maybe we think that we're, designed to be happy all the time but maybe we're just designed to be in a middle phase of between the two i don't know you know i don't know that you know we're told that happiness will make us happy or i guess is there a better way to say that you know but maybe that's not the case or going back to what craig said with you know the whole midas story you know i mean it's quite possible that we have no, no idea what will make us happy. Quite you know? possible. You're quite we, possibly right. We just, we, just, we just think we know because who's a better expert on ourselves than ourselves? But we don't, we don't know ourselves as well as we would like to think we do. And how do we decide what will make us happy? You know, if I wrote down what I thought would make me happy, it would be the things that fear-based – things that I have looked at other people and said, if I had that, it's all things. If I'm looking to try to now there's some other things, but the first thing I think of is things is where my first thoughts go to. If I had, if I had, if I had this, if I had that, if I had whatever, you know, Um, I mean, I know that happiness is a fruit of for me it's a fruit of doing the will of god it's a fruit i'm happy when uh and content um when i'm doing my purpose my purpose makes me happy that's what makes me happy uh my, it's like my, a fruit. my issue with getting what i want then leads me into the circumstances that i want even more because i've then got that so i've experienced what that's like to have that so what would it be like if i had that I don't know if it's just my addictive personality or if it's just my ego saying, like, no, no, give give me more. Ego for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not being free of yourself. Mm. You know, you're still trapped by yourself when you're, when you're doing that. Um, But you gave me, it goes goes back to the 13th verse of the doubt. You know, it's, um, that, that spoke about, can we be, can we truly be free of us? Can we be true? What is it? Um, is it? How can we? How can we manifest without the self? I think that was it. I'll look up there. Do what now? 
I'll just get. I'll, I'll just. I'll pull up the. I'll pull up the verse. Zach was going to say something. You got something, Zach? Mm-hmm. It was probably something real good. Just have to take my word for it. This is uh, Galatians five thirteen through fifteen. It's absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's a true act of freedom. That's the message version. So the reason I like that so much is that when I first read that, I said, hmm, I thought being able to do whatever I wanted to do was freedom. When that's what destroys it. And when we serve one another in love, that causes our freedom to grow, our happiness grow. Our purpose is learning to be free of ourselves. So as long as we're seeking things that we think will make us happy, we're like taking the bird, the pheasant, and putting it in the pen. That's what we're doing. We're actually making ourselves unhappy. Like we'd make the pheasant unhappy. Yeah, the, the, the part I was looking for was uh, the 13th. It was a Derek Lynn translation. What does it mean that we're often our own worst enemy? The reason I have an enemy is because I have a self. If I no longer had a self, I would no longer have an enemy. Love the, love the whole world as if it were yourself. Then you will truly care for all things. Hmm. Hmm. So I think, Marla, the point is being available in more moments of the day. Just to be available. Who can I help? What can I do? You know, how can I... How can I be a purpose in this moment? Just being available and, and you'll find yourself happy. And honestly, you may not even know how, why you're happy. <laughs> you've, you've probably experienced pieces of that. Uh, unmute, un, you want to unmute dear? Pieces. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so when I looked up the word freedom, it's the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. So, buddy, when you said um, about freedom being, you know, it just seemed like there were, like, I'm still where you read it originally. There's a, there's a contingency, and it doesn't that kind of negate the word freedom if there's yeah. a disclaimer? Yeah. So long as you. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, freedom. I thought that's what freedom was. And they said, and then I realized, no, it's freedom from having to do what I want to do. Freedom from being trapped by me. I feel like we're really close to being, to tying back into the William Wallace thing. Explain. Well, there's. Freedom. Yeah, that was basically it. Yeah. (laughs) It's the only line from the movie I can remember. What movie? Oh, my Braveheart. Braveheart. Oh, Braveheart. Oh, my gosh. Braveheart. I when I was, like, this big. I can't remember. I don't remember it. That's, I'm going to have to watch we, it again. That's when we beat the English. You sure. probably watch it every year on the anniversary, right, Craig? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we do. We've got a national <laughs> monument for, for William Wallace, and what they do is they drape a big white, white um, sheet over it, 
and then they just get a big projector and all they do is project the Braveheart film all the way through and all the Scots guys turn up in their kilts and the big swords and that. That's what we do. It's freedom! Just like that one bit. And then the bit where they all turn around and lift the kilts and the moon at everybody. That's what we do as well. <laughs> Sounds like freedom. Way more fun than we do. That's like our 4th of July, basically. <laughs> that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, freedom. Freedom. Um, Say, oh, okay, so we were talking about joy and happiness, and uh, when you were talking about the 13th chapter, you know, listening to Byron Katie, who I realized mid through that she was married to Stephen Mitchell, and it was so interesting because I was like really digging what she was saying, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, and she has a very unique perspective on joy and happiness and how she says she does not get frustrated or discontent ever. Um, and to hear Oprah interviewer, Oprah's like, what? You know, like, what are you saying? I don't, never, you know, like she's, Oprah's the voice of what people are probably thinking, but she talks about being, uh, about appreciating even hardships and she uses the example of being abused um, or being in a fight or being stricken and she'll say once once you get hit you can say I'm, I'm grateful that's over I can find gratitude in the fact that that is now done and I can be happy in it and then another blow comes and then you find gratitude that you're not being mm-hmm. hit again and I mean, it's a, she, she has really unique perspective on that and joy. And it, I mean, I know it would take some work and time to get there, but it's one perspective that is really interesting that you just appreciate every single thing, even the worst things. You, you know, I know this is the thing about that. Going back to what, the way that would, I'm seeing that relate to our story. That is her experience, and she's learning how to be accepting with her experience. Me or you might not be able to be in that place with her experience, but maybe we can with ours. You know? Our blow is something else. Right. Exactly. I'm looking at that. I'm thinking, I couldn't be happy with that. <laughs> but I don't have to be. I just have to be where am I? What's going on with me? Can I be happy with what's going on with me? Can I find some gratitude in my life? You know, just like you did with cancer. I don't know if I could be happy, but I don't have to. That's not my life. It's like they say, when we put all our troubles in one spot, we'd always take our own back. Would I rather be continuously hit or would I rather have cancer and know here's what I can do to deal with it? Cause I know that those are my things. Um, and like you said, yeah, that's her perspective. And how can we apply that to ours? Just because that's her perception in reality. But how can we apply it to the things that, that our equivalent of? Mm-hmm. And it's like when my sponsor and my, they tell me not to diminish anyone else's problems um, just because they're different than yours. You don't say, oh, you know, nice complaint here's my problem. So I'm going to tell you what a real problem is. You know, it doesn't matter. And my, and I, cause I've complained before to my sponsor saying, I feel like a brat for 
being mad about some of the things I'm mad about. And she said, if that's going to make you drink, that is your problem. And that is your real issue. That is, you do not downplay it, you know, because, and that's our ego saying we're either better or worse and we need to be exactly where we're at. And that has helped me in recovery, not downplay or heighten, catastrophize my things. Cause I have a tendency to do both because my ego. So what we can do when we're working with someone or sharing our experience, it's not really as much what the issue is. It's our approach to gratitude within whatever the issue is or within whatever the difficulty is. Yeah. It's really not about the difficulty. It's not about not having a foot or, you know, where the food, you know, it's not about those things, you know, it's about our attitude toward those things. And can we, can we find a, some gratitude in that? Mm-hmm. That's so very Buddhist, a very Buddhist thought. Very cool. And Taoist in acceptance, you know, like the vinegar yeah. tasters, you know, Lao Tzu said, yeah, that's vinegar. It's how it's supposed to taste and smiled, you know, no big upset. No, gosh, that's awful. Or, you know, we got to suffer through this. Okay. It's vinegar. So what? <laughs> and in, you know, just being the best housewife you can be, Tina, yeah. you know, it's like, or, or the best GM worker, Chrysler worker you could be. Um, it's just, you know, about doing your best. And, you know, and if I work at Chrysler and I could not find gratitude and I wasn't happy with it, I would see what was coming next. You know, maybe there's something different, just like, you know, there may be a job for the for the mother that's at home with the kids. I don't know. You know, it's being open to, to just life in general. Right. You know? Well, there was a church service I attended a long time ago before I even had kids. And they started out with sometimes skits, you know, or, you know, all the churches have their new tension getters this lady's standing at a, at a countertop making kool-aid she goes i'm just making kool-aid and you know the neighborhood kids stopped by from time to time and someone came and spoke with her then it showed her moving on moving on needing to give somebody unconditional love and a listening ear and it was exemplified to her through the housewife mom just making kool-aid and then it showed how it rippled the ripple effect goes on and it how it it just went down the chain and started, you know, not started because it obviously rippled to the housewife, but how you can make an impact wherever you are, whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. just by doing what you can do and, and doing it with care. And, and like, you know, buddy, you were saying with loving somebody else and it could travel all the way to, you know, world changing events or whatever, but it, it starts at home. It starts with us being able to do what we can do is where. The and I think that we don't ever see that Tina. I don't think we no. see what no. the results of some of our actions, our love actions for sure. I don't think we even see, I think a lot of times in life we never see it. But know? we saw the actions when we, when we were in our active addiction, what that did. We saw that ripple effect, but we can't see what we, if we touch the world in a, in a kind way, we can't, we just can't see how we've affected people in a good way. Well, that's the negative self-talk though. That's the glass half full. Yeah. <laughs> versus half empty. I don't, even, I don't even like to go there anymore. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. You know, some people probably saw the guy with the one leg 
and are thinking, I don't know how he does it, but look at him doing this and doing that. And if he can do it with one leg, I can do it with two. Are, are, you, are people coming by if he was working in a booth with one leg and gosh, I'm glad my life is not his. My life is so much better or whatever. <laughs> you know, or someone else might come by and say, oh, he's got a regular paying job. I wish I could do that. I might give up a foot if I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> that grass greener. Always. Business, you know. That's good, guys. Thank you. Who else has anyone else have some closing thoughts? Nothing. Okay. No. Well, that's good. What's next week? Does anyone know? You it's probably... uh, the fasting of the heart. The fasting of the heart. Okay. It's like two or three pages. So you are going to have to, uh, it's going to be intense. Okay. Anything longer than a page makes me nervous. Yeah. Oh, Danny's coming in. Danny's coming uh, in late. He thinks it's a, he's an hour behind. Let's say hey to Danny before we go. <laughs> As soon as he logs on, just say amen. All right, guys, have a good day. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks for a great meeting. We'll see y'all next week. Bye, Danny. Bye, Danny. Bye. Bye, Danny. <laughs> Where are you, Danny? Hello. Danny, how are you doing, sir? Hi, good, thanks. How are you guys? Doing well. We're just leaving. Oh, I got the time wrong then. It's 11 in South Africa. Yeah, it was one hour earlier, my friend. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, nice we wanted to, to speak. To... Hello? Uh, we wanted to speak to you, though, and make sure it's good to hear from you. Yeah, so likewise, buddy. Thanks. I've been talking to Craig in the mornings, and uh, yeah, so I screwed up the time now. Um, but uh, I'll sort it out and put it in my calendar correctly next and for next week. Yeah. For next week, it's just one hour earlier every week. So that'll be good. Good to, good to hear your voice though. I'm glad things are going well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So likewise, likewise. Thank you. So, uh, so we'll, uh, we were just sounding off. I said, I'll wait and say, Hey to Danny before we do. So <laughs> well, good guys. Good to see you, Danny. Y'all, uh, y'all have a great week. Thanks, buddy. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Take care. See you soon. Hey, everybody. Bye. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.